Okay, two stories. Thank you, the two people that cheered there. Let's try that again. True stories. We are, we are so blessed today to have my friend, Mark. Give Mark a big round of applause. I've known Mark for a few, you, you were really tall. You're like way above me. I should probably stay guess better. Then we're kind of the same height. Uh, I've known Mark for quite a few years. Mark is a wonderful man who loves Jesus, who is kind of hungry for Jesus. He's a provocation to me and many in my church. And we're going to be really blessed to hear his story. I just want to pray for Mark, and I'm going to hand it over to him. So Jesus, thank you so much for Mark. Thank you that he has a story that honors you. He has a story that tells us of your goodness, that tells us of your power. And I pray as he speaks this morning, Lord, would our hearts be open to hear from you and would we be impacted by his message, I ask, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hear me okay at the back in the cheap seats? That's good. Put your hand up if you can hear me. That's good. Okay, so as you've just heard from Martin, my name's Mark, and he's told me I can speak for 20 minutes. And seeing as he's the elder in my church, I'm going to try really hard to stick to 20 minutes. So we haven't got long to get to know each other. So what I thought I'd do is just give you a very quick introduction to me and who I am. And I was flicking through my iPhone this morning, looking at some photos from this year, and I thought, what are the photos that I could show you really quickly that will give you a bit of an idea of who I am? So here's the first photo coming up now. I'm a West Ham fan. You need to know I'm a West Ham fan. Thank you very much for all those people that cheered. Thank you, and I've spotted every single person that booed. Okay, so I'm a West Ham fan. Second picture that comes up. That's my lovely family. That's my wife, Tara. Um, that's my son, Joel, who sat over there at the back, sitting on a West Ham pillow. Um, and there's also my two daughters, Naomi and Maria, who aren't here this week, but Naomi will hopefully come next year. Next picture. Look at that. That is because I'm a police officer, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. And uh, we got invited to Buckingham Palace this year to the Queen's Garden Party, which was absolutely brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. That happened this year. And then talk about contrast. One week after being in the Queen's back garden, eating her sandwiches and drinking her coffee, this is the next place I went. I went to Africa to build a bakery with my son, and they didn't have any ladders, so he used me to paint the top of the bakery. And one more picture. There we are. That's us sitting in, um, in the heat in Africa, and we've been down in the slums, and the contrast between being at um, Buckingham Palace and being at the slums was pretty phenomenal. So that's a little whistle-stop tour. You don't need to know much more about me than that. Um, but let me just say, I said in, earlier on that I'm a police officer. What I really, really want to do today is to encourage you. In 20 minutes, I want to encourage you. So when you go back later and say, I got spoken to by a police officer earlier, and he encouraged me, it's a bit different, isn't it? How many times do you get stopped on your bike cycling along the pavement, and the, uh, the police officer stops you and says, just want to say, great bike, really nice bike. Doesn't happen very often, does it? Or perhaps your parents have been stopped in the car, and the uh, police officer stops and said, listen, the way you took that corner was just brilliant, excellent, really well done. Or maybe you've had a party interrupted, or someone in your streets had a party interrupted, and the police have knocked on the door, just said, just love your playlist, just brilliant doesn't happen very often, does it? But my job today is I want to encourage you. Now, another thing that you need to know about me, probably the most important thing, is that I'm a Christian. And I've been a Christian since I was age seven. I was brought up in a Christian home, but I know that age seven, I was at an event like this. It was called Downs Bible Week. And I know that's the first time for myself, I really believe that he's alive, that he actually is alive. Not just read it, not just what my parents taught me, but he's actually alive. And one of the reasons that he's alive is to save me. 
And that was amazing. At seven, I started to, to realise that. And actually, that means, you do the math, that means I've been a Christian for 34 years. 34 years I've been a Christian, and I've known God's amazing faithfulness and love. Made lots of mistakes, um, but I've known God's amazing love and faithfulness and grace right the way through that period of time. He is an amazing father, and I cannot commend him to you enough. And at your age, 12, 14, you're going to be now in the position where you're having to start to make some decisions. Less and less people are making decisions for you. More and more, you're making decisions for yourself. And I remember 12 to 14 as a Christian being quite a critical age. I had to decide about setting out my stall, about actually making some decisions for myself about what I thought and what I was going to do. And there might be people in the room today that think, yeah, I'm a Christian, but he's actually a bit lame being a Christian. Um, It's a bit boring, but I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Um, It's a bit boring. There might be some people here that think, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's it's cool. It's easy. Really easy. Um, I enjoy being a Christian. No hassles. It's good. It's easy being a Christian. There might be other people here that think, actually, I am a Christian and it's fine for now. I'm I'm pretty happy being a Christian now. Most of my friends are Christians and it means I go along to the youth group. And my parents are Christians. They say I have to go to church. It's fine for now. Quite like it. It's good. There's others still that are thinking, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to wait till I'm older till I really take it seriously. When I'm older, that's when I really need to take being a Christian seriously. There'll be some people in the room like that. I know it. And there's others as well that are sitting and think, I'm a Christian. I'm sold out. It's really, really hard. Really hard. And I'm worried about the future. I, I pick up the news. I look on my phone every day. There's stuff going on around the world that I'm worried about. Um, and there's stuff going on in my own life that's wor- that I'm worried about. And it's really hard. Really hard. Um, and there might be other, pe- other categories of people in the room as well. Perhaps you don't find any of those things. But perhaps when I was 12 to 14, I felt a mixture of all of those things at different times. That it's a bit boring at times. It's easy. It's really hard. Um, I'll take it serious when I'm older. I'm going to take it seriously now, but it's hard. All those things were in the mix as I was growing up as a Christian. Now, in the Bible, isn't it amazing how Jesus just does things differently? When he came to save, he got born as a baby in a stable. When he rode into Jerusalem, he was on a donkey. Here's one that's a bit different. This is my encouragement to you. This is what I want you to take away. This is the thing that will give you peace when you start feeling those things. Think about how the world tells you you're going to have peace. In through the nose, everyone do it. Out through the mouth. Some lovely music. Perhaps some little gentle music in the background. Someone fanning you. Thinking about a desert island and your feet just dipping in the sea. And the peace that washes over you. This is how Jesus does it. It's in John 16, verse 33. In this life, you will have many troubles. Bit different. Bit different, isn't it, to the calm music. That's what he says. To encourage us and give us peace, he tells us that in this life, we will have many troubles. That's a bit of a different way of doing it, don't you think? Why does he do that? Why does he tell us to give us peace that we'll have many troubles? And it's true. It is true. He's telling us for a reason. At age five, I knew that I wanted to be a police officer. I knew I wanted to be a police officer at age five, and I've always wanted to be a police officer. At age five, I don't think I quite grasped what it meant to be a police officer, but I definitely wanted to be one. Maybe similar to when I became a Christian at age seven. Definitely knew I wanted to be a Christian. Hadn't fully grasped what what it meant. Now... I wanted to be a police officer, I went through school, I went through university, still wanted to be a police officer, so age 21, I joined the police. And I turn up on the first day, 
And they give me one of these. It's my warrant card. I carry it all the time with me, and it gives me special powers and authority that you don't have unless you're a police officer. And it says, this is the warrant and the authority of the holder for executing duties of that office. So, I've got powers because I'm a police officer. I held up a Bible, I made some promises in a magistrate court, which made me a police officer. And it means that I can deprive somebody of their liberty. It means that I can arrest them and I can take them in front of a court. It means I can go into their house when they don't want me in their house, if I've got reason to go in. It means I can search them. It means I can stop their vehicle. It means all sorts of things that that warrant card gives me authority to do. But there's a backlash to being a police officer as well. It isn't a neutral thing, being a police officer. I was cycling to a bicycle shop only a few months ago to get some new pedals on my bike. And as I was cycling around the ring road where I live in Canterbury, I saw a bloke shouting at a woman, and she was backing off like that, and then he shoved her like that. And I thought, can't have that. None of us can have that, but I'm duty-bound to do something about it. I can't walk away. I have to do something. When I took my oath, I said that I would protect life and property, and that I'd intervene in situations like that. So I went up to him and I spoke to him and I said, what's going on? And he said, what's it got to do with you? And I said, well, it doesn't matter what it's got to do with me, it's what it's got to do with her. Um, and I, don't, I think that's out of order. Now, when I to- told him I was a police officer, do you think he just went, all right? It wasn't a neutral response that he had. When I turn up somewhere when I'm on duty and I say, in, and the police turn up and I'm in uniform, people don't just go, hi. They're either so grateful the police are finally here because something's going wrong or they don't want you here. It's quite binary. It's quite a, a, an opposing view. And it's not a neutral thing at all. So they gave me that warrant card, which was, which was great. But they also gave me a bunch of stuff. So I got my goodie bag when I joined the police. Let's see what's in my goodie bag. What they gave me, my boots. Not a taser. Not when I first joined. They gave me my boots. These boots... Have lasted me so far 10 years. I love these boots. I even take them on holiday with me. Waterproof boots, solid as anything. You can see they're well used. Steel toe caps, absolutely brilliant. Cost about 120 quid. Boots. Loved my boots. Take them everywhere with me. What they also gave me was this. Who knows what this is? This is my stab vest. This is my protective vest. And I put this on, it's pretty heavy. And it's got my stuff on it, it's got my CS spray, it's got my handcuffs, it's got my ASP, um, and it's got my rank, um, and it's pretty tough. It's pretty heavy as well, particularly when you wear it in the summer. Oh, and it's got a torch on there as well. Um, and I've got this, so I've got all my stuff on my vest. That's my baton, it looks a tiny little thing, so it doesn't look too opposing. But it can if you go, get back, like that. People can get, they sort of jump a little bit, don't they? And so, oh, what's going on? But most of the time, it's quite an unopposing thing. But occasionally you use it, and people sort of, actually, I did it once, I shout like that, get back, to somebody that smashed a bottle and was coming after me. And he said, why are you shouting kebab? I said, I'm not shouting to kebab, kebab I'm shouting get back. He went, oh, I'll get back. So people respond in different ways to things at times. What I also got was a helmet. It's my helmet. It's my police helmet that I used to wear up and down the high street. And you can see it. See it at the back? See it from a long way away, can't you? Nice tall helmet. Quite solid. Solid to protect your head. First thing I do when I'm running after somebody is chuck it in the doorway because it gets in my way. So I don't wear that when I'm running after people. But people can see me for a long way off. If I want to protect my head, 
I wear this one, which is my riot shield. And you can see it's got knocks and bashes all over it. There's quite a lot of chips and bashes on it. Actually, if we put a, a photo up now, the one with the shields, you'll see me in my helmet. If it comes up, is it there? There we are. I've got my shield and my helmet on there and my overalls and we're doing public order training. Is that still all right? We're doing public order training and people are chucking um, bricks at us and bottles and we're, tra we're training to make sure that we've got confidence in our kit. And that's what we're doing up, up there. And uh, those flames, they didn't burn my boots, my, my boots that we got. Got a screen so that actually you don't get hurt. And it protects my head. Last couple of things, I've got a belt. All that kit, I need to hold it all together. So I've got a belt that I have around me, also got kit on it. Keep that hooked in, clip my belt on it, clip my trousers on it, because you really don't want your trousers falling down when you're running after somebody. And that's got that sorted out. Another big baton, which is, uh, yeah, it's a baton. I think you can imagine what that's for. And the last thing I've got is my shield, which again, is pretty bashed up, isn't it? And my shield, so if people are chucking stuff, or I don't really know who they are, I can just hold my shield out, because I much prefer my shield got whacked than I did. So I got all this kit, which was really quite exciting, until you go back to your room at training school, and you think, I wonder why they've given me all that kit then. And I guess they've given me that kit because they know that I'm going to have to use it at times. And I really have had to use it at times, and I've had to rely on my kit to keep me safe. Now, one other thing that happened that I'll tell you about when I first joined the police is after I went through all my training, they said to me, um, when you first go out on patrol, it's a bit strange. When you go out on your own for the first time, you'll feel like everybody's watching you. When you first step out in uniform, you'll feel like everyone's watching you. The reason for that is because they are. I thought, oh, great. And actually, that's a little bit what it's like being a Christian, isn't it? Sometimes you feel like everyone's looking at you. It's because they are. They are looking at you to see how you respond in certain situations, to see what your take is, to see what you will and won't say, to see how you deal with the challenges of life. People are watching us. And actually, it can be a real pressure, can't it? I remember turning up to my first road traffic accident, lorry across the road, van in the side of it, and a car on its roof. No one else had yet turned up, and people were being really helpful and trying to direct traffic, but the traffic couldn't get anywhere, and there was somebody that was injured, and there was somebody that was screaming, and there was somebody that apparently had made off somewhere. And everyone's doing stuff, and I turned up in my police car, got out, and you could hear the sigh of relief. Everyone went, oh, the police are here. It's the first one I'd ever been to. I didn't know what to do. But you start doing it because people are looking at you to do things. And people are watching us. When I was young, quite a lot younger, my mum died. And my mates, I told my mates I was a Christian. We'd had a lot of conversations at school about the fact that I was a Christian and how I believed that God was good, how I believed that actually he saves us, that I believe he's our healer, that I believe that he's with us, that I believe that he's a good God. And my mum had cancer and she died of cancer when I was quite young. And my mates were watching me to see how I responded. Whether I went, do you know what? I don't believe any of it anymore. It's all a load of rubbish. Or whether my response was, I'm sad. I'm still sad. It's 20 years ago. I'm still sad. But I'm absolutely joyful that I know my mum is in heaven. She's in heaven. I'm going to see her again because the living Lord died for her. And I got to tell my friends that. And they'd say, we can see you're sad, but what, what, what's keeping you going? Why, why are you not like we'd expect you to be? And I say, because Jesus came and died for these situations, 
ultimately it's going to be fine. In this life, we have many troubles, but he has overcome the world. And actually, in my police life, in my personal life, in my Christian life, they all kind of intermingle, and I know that he's with us. Have a look at this. I love this cartoon. This is a cartoon that I like. I've got it up in my office. Here it comes. Two deer. Look at the birthmark on one of them. And at the bottom it just says, bummer of a birthmark. If you're a deer, that's not the birthmark you want on your coat, is it? A target. And listen, listen, this is serious. As Christians, we've got a bummer of a birthmark at times. When we're born again, we become targets. We do become targets. We become targets of the evil one. Our minds become targets. Actually, we're high profile when we're Christians, when we're in school and people know that we are and they've asked us what we've done this summer and we say, what do we say when camping? I met with the living God. That things changed. I'm thinking about things differently. We become a bit of a target. And the Bible helps us to understand that as well. I want you to really switch on here because the message of encouragement to you is we need to switch on. The only thing more dangerous than being in a fight as a police officer is not realising you're in a fight. I remember one time when I started, I was a sergeant in a new area, and there was a pub that people said to me, that pub there, just be careful. It's a bit of a funny pub, a bit dodgy at times. Um, Just, you know, if you get a call there, make sure we all go in together. No problem. And I remember all of my officers were off dealing with something, and the call came in and said, there's a fight in the bat and ball in the pub. I'm going. I can't wait for my mates. I've got to go. There's people that are in trouble. So I turned up, and as I turned up, a pint glass came flying out the window. The window was shut. Pint glass comes flying out the window. I think, ooh, there's a fight in here. Where are my mates? They're on the way. They're not here. Um, and then the next thing that came out of the pub was a bar stool with a bloke sat on it. And I'm thinking, oh, it's really going off in there. What am I going to do? I didn't, there was no decision to make. I'd already made my decision when I committed to being a police officer, when I took my oath, when I got my warrant card, when I got all of this kit. And I went in the pub, and it was all kicking off. And after a while, my mates turned up, and we grabbed a few people, and it was a bit lively, and we calmed it, it, calmed it all down. It's a bit like that being a Christian. For me, when I get into those difficult situations, that's not the time for decisions. I've made my decision. I'm following Jesus. That's it. I'm following Jesus. I, I want to know what he wants me to do, and I want to do that. And when it all comes on top, when I get into difficult situations and I'm, you know, there's illness or you know, someone's run out of money or things aren't going well, they're not the times where I'm going to decide if I'm following Jesus or not. They're not good times to decide. I decided when I was seven to follow Jesus and I've decided every day since. That's not to say I've got it all right. <laughs> I haven't got it all right. But also, that's why he gives us armor. It's not a neutral thing being a police officer. It's not a neutral thing being a Christian. There is a backlash. People are like, oh, so, so glad you could pray for me. Thank you. I want you to pray for me. Let's have a little look at what the armor that he gives us are. The armor he gives us is talked about in Ephesians 6. And it's talked about by Paul, who's been nicked. When Paul writes this, he's been arrested, okay? He's in handcuffs and he's chained to a guard in prison. And the first thing that he says to us when um, he's nicked, is that we're going to be strong. He's arrested, he's in handcuffs, he's in prison. He says, be strong, stand, stand. Sometimes as a Christian, that's all you can do. Not progress, not sit down, not sleep on the job. Just stand there as a Christian. Stand on the solid ground that is God. He talks about being a rock. Just stand sometimes. I'm a Christian, that's all I know at the moment. All I know is there's a living God who loves me. All the circumstances in my life are out of control, but I know that. 
and I know it because he's revealed himself to me. And if you don't know it, you stand on the faith that I don't get this at the moment, but God, give me faith. I know you died for me. I know you rose again. I know you made this world. Convince me of that in my heart, Lord Jesus. Because there's an enemy. And it tells us that the enemy is not flesh and blood. The bloke coming out of a pub on a bar stool, drunk, that was flesh and blood. He was my enemy for a while until we got him in handcuffs and under control. But actually in our Christian lives, our enemy isn't flesh and blood. It's spiritual targeting. Isn't it funny how those things you worry about, sometimes in the middle of the night, just pop into your head, pop into your head and you start worrying about things or, or actually those things that you know you used to be tempted by, actually, you know, sometimes when you're on, on your own again, it just comes back a bit and, yeah, oh, it's just me that thinks that or actually, you know, you sort of think, oh, I wonder if I doubt it and you haven't, you realise you've not been reading your Bible for a while and you've not been hanging out with the people that encourage you and suddenly you feel targeted and that's because our enemy is not flesh and blood. There's a spiritual enemy. There really is a spiritual enemy. And you know what I said about the thing that's more dangerous than being in a fight? It's not realizing you're in a fight when you are. Let's realize that we're in a fight. So what does he give us? He doesn't just go, by the way, (laughs) you're going to have lots of problems, just to let you know, does he? What he does is he encourages us and he tells us to stand in him, in his strength. Remember Paul's in handcuffs. He's not feeling very strong. He's probably not able to stand. He's meaning spiritually stands. And what it talks about, it talks about having a belt of truth. I told you, this holds it all together. Truth is such an important thing for a police officer to have. And it's such an important thing for a Christian to have. If I take you to court and I say that I saw you do something, it's really important that I'm telling the truth, isn't it? Otherwise, the judges, the magistrates are going to make the wrong decision. Or if I say, no, 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 it didn't happen that way. Or if they ask me a question on what my opinion was on something, it's really important that I tell the truth as a Christian, as a police officer. And it's really important that I know the truth as a Christian. Now, the world tells us at the moment that there really isn't truth. You know, it's just really what your take on stuff is. That isn't what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that there is truth and his truth. And that truth actually sets people free. His words set people free. So what we need to do is we need to know our Bibles. We need to know what the truth is. And those questions that come from your friends and come from your mates, I remember having to go home and speak to my youth leader and go, but they're saying this. And they say, yeah, yeah, but look, come here, come here. Look what it says. Look what that actually says. Yeah, but, yeah, but. And I had to wrestle stuff through. So that actually when I got back into school and people were going, thought they'd beaten me in an argument, and they had, they had won the argument, that I could go back and tell them truth truth and years later years later people that I spoke to when I was 12 and 14 came back to me when I was 19 and said do you remember when you said that no (laughs) well you did you said that and actually it stuck with me and I wish I'd made different decisions or actually now I'm going to make different decisions when I was 12 and 14 I said stuff but because it was truth it stuck in people's mind it wasn't my truth it's God's truth So it's important that that holds it all together. I told you my belt holds it all together. We need the belt of truth around us. The breastplate of righteousness. That's talking about Roman soldiers that had a breastplate across them. It was a bit like this, but made of metal. And it protected all their vital organs. It kept everything safe, particularly their heart. Now, actually, righteousness isn't because we're good people. I told you I've been a Christian since I was seven. I've not been a good person since I was seven. But he's made me righteous since I was seven. He's covered all the things I've done wrong, and he still does, and he always will. I've made a lot of mistakes. As a police officer, I've made mistakes. As a Christian, I've made mistakes. As a dad, as a husband, as a friend, 
as a Christian, I've made lots of mistakes, but he covers me in his glorious, undeserved grace. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? But actually, his righteousness covers all those parts of me. It covers my heart. It keeps me going. That thing keeps me alive. Grace keeps me alive in the same way grace keeps me alive and keeps me close to the Lord God. It's not earned. It's a free gift of his wonderful grace to us. I reckon quite a lot through my teenage years, I disqualified myself because I didn't understand grace. It's so good, you have to preach it to yourself every day. It's too good to remember into the next day. You've got to pick up those verses in the Bible. You've got to remind yourself that his grace is so unbelievably good. We need to celebrate it every day. And I disqualified myself and thought God wouldn't use me because he knows what I actually think sometimes. He knows what I actually do. He knows what I'm like when I'm not in my youth group. He knows what I'm like when I'm not at home. He knows what I'm like when there's not many people around. So how could he use me? How could he speak to me? I do remember one time I really felt the Lord say to me, I want to speak to you. I know, all the st- I know what you're like. That's why I die for you. That's why I love you. Know, I love you. I pour my grace into you. And I want to speak to you. And I suddenly realized that if I hadn't done all those things, perhaps I was thinking that if I was really good, then perhaps I deserve for God to speak to me. How wrong would that be? And actually, that helped me understand grace, that even if I was perfect, even if I did all I wouldn't deserve the living God to speak to me. Therefore, if he wants to speak to me, it has to be all about him and not a lot to do with me. And since then, I've learned to listen and listen more and to hear God's voice and tell other people what I think he's encouraging them with. I told you about my boots, didn't I? Ever seen a police officer wearing flip-flops on duty? Of course you haven't. Of course you haven't. Because these, I need these. I need to be ready. When I turn up to work, I don't know what's going to happen. Could have a day in the office. Could, anything could happen. So I've got to be ready. And these boots keep me ready. Now, it talks about being ready in terms of the gospel. And a lot of people think that's being ready to give everyone any answer that comes to you about being a Christian. So being ready with your Bible, someone asks you a question, you go, ah, that's in Revelation, or that's in John, or that's in the Old Testament, New Testament. I don't think that's what it means. It's important to be ready and to be able to give an answer, but I think it means being ready when hard times come to respond with his gospel, to respond in our hearts, to know what wobbles us. Those boots are real sturdy boots, okay? I said earlier on that we need to stand on the rock, Standing on sand is beautiful. I'm going away next week and beautiful sand. Isn't it lovely standing on sand? But he tells us to build our lives on a rock. When we build our lives on a rock, it's uncomfortable. We need boots on. We need, he talks about being ready and having the gospel so that we can process what he's telling us and we can be ready um, for what's coming our way. I, I, I had a wobble at about 12 or 14. Um, the youth leaders in my church split up gutted, absolutely gutted it really wobbled my faith I really looked up to particularly the guy youth leader and uh, it's a long long time ago um, I, don't, I don't know them anymore I was so gutted and I, so much of what I wanted to be was like this guy I love the fact that he, you know, he had a family and that he was going after God and you know, he was a Christian guy and I aspired to be like this guy and they split up and it really wobbled me it really wobbled me and you saw my family up there. I, I knew I wanted a family and I knew I wanted to be married. I wanted to be a good husband. And this guy that I was aspiring to, they split up. And I was gutted for a long time. And in the end, I had to come back to the Bible. And I had to remember again that there's an evil one and that there's fiery darts and that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's spiritual battles. And it made me more determined at that age. 
I knew I wanted to be a police officer. I knew I was a Christian. I knew that I had to learn how to use this armor that he talks about in the Bible so that I'm ready to stand when the problems come, not to be a cozy Christian. I'm nearly done. I've also got this helmet. Now, this helmet is very, very visible, isn't it? The reason it's tall, I've told you, so you can be seen from a long way away. Now, it's important, isn't it, that as Christians we tell people, that we actually proclaim with our mouth, that we're Christians, that we tell people, and people are looking for us. We need to make ourselves visible. We're the answer. God's the answer, and we're his answer. So people need to know where they can come, where they can come. We can pray for people and encourage them. But also have this helmet as well, as I told you, it protects my head. Stuff gets lobbed at us as Christians. Stuff gets lobbed at us that affects the way we think. And sometimes we need to protect our minds. We need to not look at stuff that doesn't help us. On our phones, don't, don't read the stuff that isn't helping you. We need to read the stuff that feeds us. We need to be with the people that feed us to protect our minds because this is a battle. And if I went into that situation without this on, I wouldn't last very long at all. It talks in the Bible about the helmet of salvation and knowing that we are saved and we are chosen by the true and living God. That's part of the armor that we need to use if we're going to survive because we will have many troubles. That's his promise to us. And also I talked about a sword. They didn't give me a sword when I joined the police. I don't think they ever will. But there is a time where you have to go on the offensive. There is a time, the rules are that we use the minimum force necessary. And I've always stuck to that. I'll use the minimum possible force in any situation. But there are times where you have to go on the front foot. There are times where you have to knock things down, that you have to force your way through and say, I'm not having this. And that has landed me in trouble. I nearly lost my job. Remember I told you I wanted to be a police officer since I was five? I nearly lost my job because I felt the Lord told me that I needed to go and tell some people some truth about stuff that wasn't too good, that shouldn't have been going on. And I did it, and I ended up in a heap of trouble. And about six months down the line, I said to the Lord, I was like, you got this one wrong, didn't you? That I must have misheard, actually. If you didn't get it wrong, I must have misheard. And actually, through an 18-month period that was so difficult, I had to go back to my arm. I had to go back to my Bible. I had to get people to pray for me. I had to be ready to respond. Actually, he was so faithful through it. And at the end of it, the situation I was in, it was like the Red Sea opened up. Through nothing I did, and I just walked through, and he was just looking after me. And people had said to me all the time, I'm praying for you, and I'm asking God what's, what's going on. And all I fe- keep feeling God saying for you is, it's all under control. But it didn't feel under control, and I wanted it to feel under control. Actually, I wanted it to feel under my control. And lots of different people independently came to me and said, I just feel the Lord saying, it's all under control. It's like, you don't know what's going on. The Lord's got it under control. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battles in our lives belong to the Lord. But that doesn't mean we just sit there passively. It means that we put on the armor of God and we partner with him and we battle on. And at times that does mean knocking things down in our own lives. It means talking, telling people truth. It means making yourself vulnerable and telling people the truth the way that it is. As we finish now, and I was praying about this before I came out, I just wonder if there's three different types of response that you have to what I've told you. I hope that I've encouraged you. And the way that I hope that I've encouraged you is, he doesn't just say, in this life you'll have many troubles. He says, but take heart. Cheer up, that means. Cheer up. You're going to have problems, but cheer up. I've got it. I've got it covered. I've got this one. I've overcome the world. I've dealt with it all already. That's the encouragement. Otherwise, when trouble comes, you think, 
you know, we've sang it two or three times this week already. You are good, you are good, you're always good, you're good, you're good. And then stuff's happening that's bad. And you think, well, he can't be good. That's not true. He's good. And we have troubles, but he's overcome. So I wonder if there's three types of response. There's still people here that are counting the cost. I've talked about counting the cost of being a police officer, counting the cost of being a Christian. There's still people here that are counting the cost. Let me tell you something. I can tell you the truth. If you're, I'm not yet a Christian and I'm kind of, well, I'm just not all in yet. You're either all in or you're all out. That's what the Bible tells us. You're either all in or you're all out. You can't kind of be a cop, can you? You can't kind of be a police officer. I can't sort of think, oh, I'm a police officer sometimes. I carry my warrant card with me all the time. All the time. When I'm on holiday, I've got it on the beach. I carry it here. I don't get a choice. There's times I go to work and when I'm not at work, but I've always got my warrant card with me because anything that happens, I'm duty-bound to respond. I can't kind of be a cop. I am a cop and I've taken an oath. You can't kind of be a Christian. You either are or you aren't. So I think there's probably people here that are still counting the cost. And that's, that means that it's decision time. And one of your decisions would be, I'm not going to make a decision, okay? All out at the moment. Still lots of opportunity to come all in, but that's a decision. And the decision time is, actually, am I going to follow Jesus? Is Jesus my saviour? And for others, it might be, uh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But now I realise I've got to decide I'm going to follow him no matter what. Decide now, age 12, 11, 14, whatever age you are, I'm going to decide that I'm going to follow him no matter what. And that's a big decision. It's a brave decision, but he doesn't leave us alone. He gives us his armour to help us. There's another group of people here. And actually, you left here last year, if you came here, and you're all hyped up, and it's been a tough year, and you've come back in thinking, oh, and that might be that you hadn't actually realised just how vulnerable it is being a Christian without having his armour. You feel like you're getting your butt kicked, and that's not a good place to be. And actually, that group of people, we might just want to pray with you and talk with you and the people with orange T-shirts on can help or your youth leaders to pray that you start learning how to use the armour of God that I've talked about. It's all there, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Have a read of it. Please do have a read of it this afternoon or in the morning. Everyone, have a read of it. It's real short, but just remember that. But there might be some people here that actually have felt a bit vulnerable and want some help and some prayer and some strength about putting on that armour. Do you remember David in the Bible? Remember, he had the sling, and he whopped up the sling, and he hit Goliath, this giant of a man. Hit Goliath, square between the eyes, bang, he's gone down. That wasn't the first time he picked up a sling, was it? Actually, he was out guarding sheep, and I reckon he was sitting there eating his sandwiches, fiddling around with a sling, hitting over Coke cans, learning how to use it, frightening off foxes, frightening off wolves, keeping the sheep safe. No idea whatsoever that one day he would be stood in front of Goliath. We need to practice using our slings. Now, at your age, at my age, we need to practice using our slings. Doing those little things, saying, no, I'm not having that in my life. I don't want that. Lord, I need your help. Actually, I'm going to deal with this. Because we don't know what we're practicing for, do we? And we don't know if we're practicing for next week, next year, or 10 years. My guess is all of the above. And we need that. We need that armor, and we need to be able to know how to stop being vulnerable. Because it is a fight out there. And then I think there's another group of people as well who really know they're in the thick of it. They're Christians and they're in the thick of it and it's tough. And struggling to hold on to God's promises but the circumstances that you're going through make it really, really difficult. What I want to say to you, I think specifically there's some people here that have just misinterpreted hard times that he promises will come and he'll look after us with punishment. 
And actually, when those hard times come, it's so easy to think, actually, I think God's punishing me. I think, you know, God hates me. He's probably angry at me because he knows I did that stuff that I never told anyone else about. And now all this has happened and he's probably really angry at me and that's why this is happening. Let me tell you, that's not true. That isn't true. As Christians, we, God's not hostile towards us. He's not angry. He's always in a good mood. That doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for the stuff that we get wrong. There are. We need to deal with those and we need to own those. There's consequences, but it's not punishment. It's not punishment. Actually, it tells us that we're going to have many many problems, but he's overcome the world. So if that's you as well, I'd love it if we could pray with you. The people here in orange t-shirts, youth leaders, me, would love to pray with you just for encouragement and that you get a new perspective on actually, it's probably far more likely to be training. (laughs) You're going through hard times to learn how to wrestle with those situations, to learn how to use your armor. Final, final thing. Take heart. Cheer up. We can stand on the fact that he has overcome the world. I believed it when I was seven. I believe it as much as I did at seven today. Lots of things have happened, good things, bad things, but I know that there's a God that lives and cares for me and cares for you. Thank you very much indeed for listening.